walks on his feet. He looks up and gives me a grin and says, Hey, dude, you too must be from Marin. Marin County's A-OK from Tamastin and all the way to M.A. Fresh organic veggies in the market every day. Welcome to the Run TMC podcast. That is the Run the Marin County podcast, a podcast about basketball in Marin County. I am Duffy Ballard, and with me today is Dave Levine and our trusty sidekick, Kenya Ballard. Dave is known as a coach, as a excellent set shooter, and as a basketball nerdling who is aspiring to be a basketball nerdlet. And he does not have a game later today, so he is going to be fully involved in this conversation. Totally relaxed. A little disappointed that you didn't come up with a new word. I went digging for the thesaurus, and someone had got there first. I don't know who yet, but I'm going to post a complaint on next door, and we'll see if we can dig to the bottom of this, Dave. Would you say there was a, a dearth of words for you? A paucity? A paucity, yes. A paucity of words. Okay, listeners, if you have another word that would be a good synonym, send it in. All right, I'm mulling this over, Dave. I'm okay. sure I'll have, a, I'll have a good word for you by the end of this episode. I don't doubt it. Uh, Duffy did provide me some iced coffee, in case you're keeping track at home. And we're on episode 22. Episode 22. This is a great one. Uh, we'll get to this in a little bit. Alex Pribble is back for round two, and he's talking about coaching. This was super fun. But yeah, first, we're going to... Uh, so we're going to get to player control first because there's a couple things we need to address. Yes. Go for, uh, it. Go for it, Dave. Thank you, Duffy. First one, the famed Alex Pribble game winner against Marine Catholic. It was brought up in our last episode. It was also brought up in our Dan Dibley episode. And I uh, mistakenly last episode said that that was a championship game. Shame on me, Duffy. Shame on me. Uh, it was not a championship game. And Duffy, do you know how I know it was not a championship game? I do, because I was on the text with Dan Dibley, and I also tried to tell you in the moment that I was pretty sure it was not a championship yep. game. Yep. Listeners, the reason it was not a championship game, or it should have been evident to me, is because it was in the Marine Catholic gym. Mm -hmm. And as we all know, the championship game is played at Redwood. So uh, it was a great game, though, and it was an amazing finish by our guest, Alex Pribble. After a famed no-call from the great Larry Moyer, uh, Daryl Rory uh, brought up Larry Moyer a lot as well. So uh, I apologize. I need to be better. Uh, that, was, that was bad form by me. And second player control is I just want to reiterate that uh, it happened in the first Pribble episode. It happens again in this one that you will listen to. Uh, we lost Duffy's audio, which was very sad. But Duffy and I were communicating. He could hear us but we could not hear him. So you can hear the clickety-clackety of my keyboard as I was uh, communicating with Duffy to make sure I was gonna ask the questions he wanted asked, and it's distracting, so I apologize. Um, but I was able to hear everything that our fabulous guest, Alex Pribble, said. Uh, I'm just looking here, Dave. Unfortunately, 
the Vandals lost to the Bengals, the Idaho State Bengals. The Battle of Idaho last the, night. Yeah, Battle of Idaho. It was a five-point line, and the Bengals won by exactly five points, 64-59. Yep. So Vandals have had some good wins, though. Uh, they were on SportsCenter with a, with a game winner against Sacramento State, I believe. Correct. Yeah, they were they were the number one play on Sports Center. Um, we actually this. Why don't we do? Uh, Prib gave us a little update on the Vandals. Do you yeah, want to? So we let's just do print, that now. Let's, let's do, do that, that now. now. Yeah. So we asked Alex for um, just a quick update, and he said you'll you'll hear in this episode. You know, it's a rebuild. He has one senior on his team, so it's a very young team. Um, but here, here's what Prib wrote us a couple days ago. He said Idaho update: first year of a rebuild, making some positive strides. Had preseason wins over teams from the Big West, the WAC, and the WCC, and started conference off with a big win over Sac State. That was a fun one with a buzzer beater that ended up as the number one play on SportsCenter. Sitting at 7-9 and nine overall right now, lots of ups and downs, but with only one senior, we feel really good about the progress we've made and the direction we're headed. And then he said, just a little plug, really appreciate what you guys are doing. Just listen to Granucci's episode. So fun. Thanks again. Prib is the best. Um, and so now I guess they're 7-10. and 10. After that Idaho State loss, it was a good game though. They lost by five, I think. So yeah. keep yep. going, Prib. We're rooting for you, bud. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. Well, Dave, we have something really special for our listeners today. Uh, we are launching our first annual sponsorship pledge drive. So we're going to take a few minutes to celebrate all the work that goes into this podcast, all the behind the scenes mm-hmm. uh, details that we may or may not have spoken about on the podcast. So just give me one little detail um, that you can think of about this massive operation. Well, Duff, I'm looking at you, and your hair and makeup budget must be (laughs) unbelievable because you look so good for these podcasts. (laughs) Well, one thing we figured out just recently, Dave, uh, and it's not really hair and makeup, but it relates because I'm looking at you, and that is uh, I should wear a turtleneck or something that, allows me to put the microphone very close to my mouth right. and that you should wear something like a v-neck that allows you to bring the microphone farther away so that we can get our audio in sync because that's been an issue for us player control player control i'm loud you're not I, I've, I've had a number of people like dan dibley has mentioned in no uncertain terms he is a much bigger duffy fan than he is a dave fan basically hashtag more duffy that's that's the feedback we're getting i think he's saying that to just um, poke you and get you fired up and that he's it's really a Jedi mind trick and in fact he does want more Dave but he just wants a focused a focused Dave a Dave that's not keeping things brief a, a Dave that is going to really put it out there and get some sponsors so there we go yeah so uh, yeah we are uh, Dave our sponsors we appreciate all of our sponsors they have been great and they've given us great copy for our ads and I know everyone likes to listen to the sponsorship uh, component of the podcast and I, I, I'm sure no one fast forwards over it never uh, because we keep it light and entertaining uh, but we are looking either to renew our sponsors yep at a at a discount or add some new sponsors absolutely so tell us more Duff what are the what are the options that our potential sponsors have well, first, I want, there's another little detail that goes into every episode. It's a, you know, the small decisions uh, start to layer up and become a lot of decision making. You can get decision fatigue. And this decision is whether we leave the door open for Kenya 
or whether we just allow her to come and be part of the interview from the beginning, or we keep her out. Today, she is lying by your feet. She's literally on one of my, one of my feet. She's yeah. on a foot. Yeah, and she has, yeah, she's not gurgled her stomach or made any whooping sounds, so. No snoring. Good job, Kenya. Yep. Um, yeah, so Dave, we have, we're, we're going to do at least eight more episodes. We're committed to at least eight more, Dave, uh, and that's going to take us through uh, the end of the high school season, state championship. Uh, we're on for that and uh, probably into early March Madness. So that's at least eight more episodes. There are sponsorship packages that are available from four to eight episodes. Or if you want to get creative and, and go for more, then maybe that will you know entice us to, sure. to keep going. Um, and the cost, we have a package, Dave, and the cost will run from 350 to sort of whatever, you know, whatever we can come to agreement on. But um, that would be 350 at the low level, and that is for the layup package. Hmm. Tell oh, us about the layup. Oh, I was going to ask you to tell us about the layup. I'm happy to. I'm really good at it. First of all, we obviously want you to come to a two-foot jump stop mm-hmm. and finish strong off the off the glass. Julian Nickel, are you listening? That's right. Uh, so on the layup, sponsor is mentioned at the beginning and end of each episode, and the logo is posted on the Run TMC podcast website and tagged in any and all social media posts. Yep. Currently, Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn, right? Yeah. We just did a drill last night, Dave. Two v one. It's a good one. It, it's amazing, though. You know, I really think you should score with one pass or less on a two v one at totally. speed every time. And there should be no pause. Like there shouldn't be one of these where a guy's standing under the hoop and then they catch the ball and have to go up. It should just there should be no pause in the movement. Uh, and we have some really good fast break players, but yet a lot of pauses, two passes. Um, no jump stop, two feet, and we're a good, we're a pretty good transition team. Yeah, um, but I can tell you about the drill if you'd like, Dave. I would love it. Okay, so you start uh, three groups, and you start one underneath the hoop, and then in the uh, far three quarter court, you have two lines. Yep. Coach has the ball. Uh, the coach will pass it to either line. They're mm-hmm. sort of out outside the volleyball lines, and that starts the break. As soon as that happens. The defender who's underneath the basket has to run out to the three-point line and get back. Yep. So they're they're not just standing there waiting. They got their the defenders has to be moving as well. And uh, so the I you know we just said to the uh, to the kids um, you may have run this drill as well. That we the goal is you go all the way in if you have the ball until the defender gets between you and the basket. At which point there should be an open pass. So yep. Take it all the way in. And if they come to meet you, then you pass. And it should always be at speed. If you're passing the ball, you know, the, the guy should not be waiting for it. Right. So anyway, we had a couple that looked great, but most of them, yeah, I'd give them like a C to B minus. Well, in those fast break drills, uh, kids do sometimes have the tendency to, to overpass or wait. And that takes away the whole point of the drill. The point of the drill is to simulate a game situation. You have a fast break. You have a quick advantage, but you're going to lose that advantage because everybody else is going to be running back in a game, right? So totally agree with you. Um, okay. Should we go back to the sponsorship? <laughs> Tough. <laughs> yeah. So the layup uh, is uh, a sponsor is mentioned. Um, yeah. Such as we often will mention, you know, Jeff Skaggs, Nike San Domenico camps. Right. Uh, and their logo is uh, going to be included on the website right. and posted with any social media. Dave does a lot of great Insta posting. And uh, so that is pretty much the um, the layup 
there's no copy that we're going to be reading during the episode. Correct. Next level, the mid-range jumper. A lost art, Duff. You and I are both mid-range jumper guys, though. I'm a, I'm a, yeah. I'm a good mid-range shooter. When we play 10s, I think most of the listeners know 10s, mm-hmm. also known as 7s, um, we often start with the mid-range. Sure. And sometimes it'll be good, we'll get up to you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 makes in a row, and then someone's you know, taking it on the chin. Yes. So in, in the sponsorship context, think of the layup, but then we add on a 15-second ad to be read by your friends Dave and Duffy at the beginning of each podcast within the first 10 or 15 minutes. So you get the mention and the logo and the social media stuff, but then we also read some copy. Yep. Um, and you know, Dave, I think making the case for why a sponsor might want to advertise with us, we're very we're hyper local. Of course, we're a podcast about Marin County. Yeah. So uh, if someone's listening to the podcast, they're probably either living in Marin County or have ties to Marin County. Right. Unless you're Phil Jackson and someone just sent you the podcast and you listen to about half of it. Hi, Phil. <laughs> um, and we have, what's our total downloads, Dave? Almost 8,500. We're 80, 84 and change yeah. as of today, which is really cool. And that's not uh, episodes that might have been streamed, which we don't know. Yeah. But yeah, so that's the total downloads. And uh, the episodes that have the most downloads... I think some of our guests are interested in this. They're a little competitive. Sure. So Mike Fulton, number one, uh, first episode. Episode two is number two, Tom Poser and John Granucci. And then we jump to episode seven, A Basketball Family. The Sias. With the Sias. And from there, we go to episode 11. Rick Winter. Rick Winter. Uh, And then to episode five. Dan. Uh, Dave Deneen is number Deneen. five. He's prepping it up. There are several that are close. Chris Ballard, episode six, is right there. So uh, Daryl Rory, episode eight, is right there. Anyway, um, thanks to our listeners. And uh, we have received a lot of great feedback on some of the recent episodes. And then uh, one other just sponsorship plug, and this is a 100% true story. I've had multiple people text me saying, hey, just went to the hub, uh, had never been, but they went because of our podcast and they heard it and they, they loved it. So um, it works sometimes. And that reminds me, I owe Rebecca one of our t-shirts. She's going to put it up in the hallway on, nice. the way to the, on the way to the bathroom. Love it. Yeah. Okay. Final sponsorship uh, level. Opportunity. Yeah. Opportunity is beyond the arc. And that duff is the mid-range jumper plus a 30-second ad. Uh, to be read by the hosts at the beginning or the end of each podcast. Yep. Or two 15-second reads. So basically, just instead of the the mid-range, you're just, it's more fulsome content. Right, right. And, you know, as we know, Dave, we're not timing these ads. We're, we're sort of ballparking it. And sometimes we end up talking about a sponsor for a longer period of time. Sometimes we end up interviewing the sponsor for like an hour and a half. True. Very, very <laughs> true. We have had, uh, let's see, we've had Karen Horsmeyer. Uh, mm-hmm. We've had Rick Winter. Mm-hmm. We're going to have more MBBA folks on. We've had Jeff Skaggs. So mm-hmm. there does seem to be a correlation between um, our sponsors and our guests. Yeah. So if you're interested, uh, reach out to us by any number of means, but you can email us at the runtmcpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, that is the runtmcpodcast at gmail.com. If you have our direct digits, feel free to reach out. Uh, we have a, a package with some more detail that we can send you. 
And uh, you can send us a DM on Instagram at, mm-hmm. Run, at Run TMC Podcast. Um, yeah, reach out to us. We're happy to chat. We're very responsive. And I, I do, by the way, I want to acknowledge there are a few folks who have asked for T-shirts. Um, our T-shirt inventory is low, uh, but we're working on replenishing that. And uh, the T-shirts are get great reviews. They're very soft, very comfortable, very stylish. So um, I haven't forgotten about you folks who have sent me messages on Instagram asking for T-shirts. And you know who looks great in a Run TMC T-shirt? And I've seen him in the gym now several times wearing it. Johnny Kearns. Johnny Kearns. Rocking it always. Uh, Great guy. Fashion model. Now, he's the guy I should get for my hair and makeup. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Okay. Well, this... Do we have anything else to say about the inner workings of this? All I'm going to say, Dave, is that uh, in this upcoming episode, uh, we are soliciting some endorsements. Uh, So you uh, will... You'll be listening to Coach Pribble, and then you're going to get a little splice of something. Ooh. And so I know, I know that we're going to have Angela Ballard in there. I think we might have Dan Dibley in there. We might. Uh, it's possible we'll have Katie Levine in there. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, might get, have a little Tom Poser. So we will have little nuggets that are going to break up the interview. Can't wait. I'm here with Run TMC podcast webmaster Angela Ballard. Angela, what have you been working on this morning? Well, I've been updating the website, adding new episodes, new pictures, making sure everything for the sponsors is all set up and working well, keeping things going because I know Dave Deneen needs that. Right. Uh, apparently, Dave Deneen cannot listen to the episodes without the webpage. So you are crucial to his listening success. I understand where he's coming from. Yeah. You also added the clip of... Drake and MC. Yeah, update the show notes. Like if there's a great YouTube video, it's cool to add that. So you can find some interesting things on the website. You sure can. It's beautiful. Yeah, thanks. And how much do you get paid for this work? Mm, uh, yeah, maybe nothing. Is that true? Nothing. Okay. Uh, currently, I would say that is the case. So as part of this sponsorship pledge drive, maybe we could get you a dinner or two, perhaps at Maybe Jack in the Box? Well, maybe we could upgrade to the hub. Oh, yeah. Great idea. Let's upgrade to the hub. Okay. Well, if this is successful, we'll have a nice dinner at the hub. Okay. If, thank you, sponsors. Thank you, I'd sponsors. really appreciate it. This guy walks into a little recording studio and sits down. He draws the eyes of all the locals of this small town. He looks damn normal to me. Thinning grayish hair on his head. 1988 Converse cons on his feet. He looks up and gives me a grin and says, Hey, dude, you too must listen to Run TMC podcast. Hey, guys, this is Luke from the band Stroke Nine. Uh, Thanks a lot for using our song as the official song of the Run TMC podcast. We are very appreciative to have renewed fame in the area. It's been, uh, it's been kind of crazy walking around with my t-shirt on and people coming up and recognizing me. Uh, that hasn't happened yet, but I think it might at some point. Hopefully it's someone besides my mom. Um, I just wanted to thank you guys for all the work you're doing on this podcast. I'm a huge fan. I love all of the banter. Duff and Dave, you guys are hilarious and incredibly knowledgeable about basketball and all the guests have been incredible. 
Um, just waiting for that call to, um, you know, talk about my basketball experience. But I guess, uh, I guess you guys don't have my email address. Speaking of which, um, I also sent over that licensing deal that, uh, we had discussed before the podcast launched and I'm checking my account. I haven't really received any of the, uh, the royalties that we had discussed. So if you could shoot those over, um, I'd greatly appreciate it. And, uh, Everybody keep supporting the cast and all of the sponsors. Talk to you soon. So, okay, let's get on to uh, episode two of our discussion with Alex Pribble. Uh, here we focus on Prib's coaching career. And um, this, was, this was great. The only downside, again, was that we didn't have Duffy, um, Duffy's audio. But uh, love talking to Prib about his coaching career and his thoughts on leading teams and coaching style. So give it a listen, and then we'll, we'll catch up after real quick. Yeah, uh, such a you know such a good guy. Type of I mean, I would I would have loved to play for a guy like like uh, Alex Pribble. You know, he's just modeling a just a amazing human being on top of someone who is a yeah. dedicated gym rat who just loves the game. So. Totally. Yeah. Wish him nothing but continued success. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him someday coaching in a Final Four. Totally agree. Yep. Okay. Here we go. All right. Take it away, Prib. All right. So now we're doing episode two with with Coach Alex Pribble. Uh, he's so kind of us. He's he's literally uh, about to get on a pl- on a bus to go to a game for the Vandals. So the fact that he's doing this is amazing. Um, I actually, Prib, was going to read the um, part of the email that you sent us. You've already kind of mentioned some of it, but I I just want to, if you'll indulge me, because I I just thought the way you wrote this was so great. So when we were going back and forth with with Prib about being on, he, he wrote us this. He said, believe it or not, this is Alex's words, quote, believe it or not, my hoop story began at the Fairfax Pavilion with the Saturday morning hoops workouts, playing pickup ball in the outdoor courts, pirate camp, playing local CYO, playing adult summer league. All the things you guys have discussed on the podcast already. I have a signed wooden pyramid of success in my office that the Saya family got for me when I was in high school. They are special people. Every step of my coaching journey has been impacted by Marin Hoops. I got my start at the Tam High School coach as Tam High School coach the year after I graduated college and coached the first NBBA travel teams during that time. I've been very intentional about recruiting Marin kids because I believe culture and love for the game is an undervalued trait in recruiting. My first opportunity to recruit was San Francisco State, which meant recruiting a lot of walk-ons. Nick Calcaterra, Joey's older brother, was one of my recruits there. My first recruit at Eastern Washington was Jesse Hunt from Drake, Dan Hunt's son. One of the first recruits at St. Martin's was Brandon Kennelvort, Drake and College of Marin, Steve Kennelvort's son, followed by the great Lukey Chavez, along with our associate head coach, Dave Granucci. At Seattle U this past year, I recruited Will Heimbrot, and I was the first to offer both Jace Butler and T.T. Carr from Branson. I'm not listing these players to show my recruiting resume, but just wanted to illustrate how Marin Hoops has impacted my life. So I thought that was that was awesome. Brought a tear to my eye, Prib. Um, so let's talk about your coaching. So you, you go from this amazing playing career. You walk on at Cal. Um, what a great story. You get a scholarship. Now you're an adult. You're a working stiff. And you start your life at TAM. You're a young guy at TAM. You're in your early 20s, right? When you're when you're coaching at TAM. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I appreciate just backtracking for quick. So I appreciate you kind of reading the email when we were going back and forth, and you guys were talking about 
uh, me hopping on the podcast. I had listened to a lot of your episodes already just because I, I love it. You know, whether I'm going through a little workout or I'm driving into work in the morning, I love throwing your guys' podcasts on because honestly, like there's so many great stories about Marin hoops and it really has been, you know, I, I, it makes me think about all the different ways that the Marin hoops culture has impacted my life. And there's no way, no way I would be a division one head coach right now if it wasn't for the Marin players and you know, that I've, that I've coached and the Marin coaches that I've worked with. Um, so yeah, yeah it just feels so right to be able to talk. I've done a number of these podcast for, for the coaching world or these, you know, zoom yeah. in the coaching world, but this is by far and away my favorite just because it's, it hits home, you know? Um, Hey, Chris Ballard here. And yes, Dave Levine is a friend and Duffy is my brother, but I can say objectively that I'm a huge fan of the run TMC podcast Having covered basketball around the country, I'm not sure I've come across a podcast like this or even an information source that is this hyper-localized, but so in-depth. The perspective you're getting, the updates you're getting, and the people you're hearing from, it's essentially like a, a living history of Marin basketball, past, present, and future to a certain extent. Uh, it, it's such a cool thing they're doing. I know they're putting in a lot of hard work and I now live in Berkeley, and I'm just so glad I can still feel tapped into it. Uh, the interviews are great. The guests are great, with the possible exception of Tom Poser, but we'll forgive them that one. And it's just such a cool community thing. So uh, I'll keep listening. I hope everyone else keeps listening and keep keep supporting the uh, the Run TMC podcast. So awesome. in any case, yeah, I, I was at TAM um, for three years. And yeah, I was young. So my first year out of college, I was a graduate assistant and earned my master's degree from Cal and then and then went to TAM right away and, and got like a lot of these things, man. I feel like I was very fortunate, right time, right place. Um, but they were it was the summer and I was trying to figure out exactly what I was going to do post-college. Um, my brother was teaching there at the time and they lost a coach and a, a PE teacher two weeks into the school year. So mm. right away they were scrambling and my brother called and said, Hey, I might be able to get you this gig at the last minute. And so I ended up teaching, um, high school students, you know, as a 20, let's say whatever it was, 23 year old yeah. and then two weeks into the basketball season. Um, you know, Mike Evans, who's a phenomenal coach, couldn't, couldn't come back from Europe in time for the season. So they were scrambling to find a, a coach and they said, Hey, would you want to take over? So got really lucky, found a, a teaching and a coaching job right out of college was there for three years and just kind of, you know, cutting my teeth, trying to figure out how to become a coach. You know, I, I loved the yeah. game, um, you know, wanted to be very organized, had good coaching role models, but was by no means a good coach at the time, <laughs> you know, just wearing my emotions on my sleeves, trying to figure it out day by day. And, and, but that was an important uh, part of my coaching career for sure. Those three years. So I'm interested in, in um, I asked Chad this question too, cause you know, Chad Stewart was, San Marin coach at a, as a young guy, um, yeah. in his early twenties, I'm interested in how you chose your assistants. So you're, you know, you got all this great experience, but you're, you're young. Right. And yeah. so when you're trying to figure out who's going to help you out, do you want to have some gray hair on the bench beside you? Uh, like talk about how you approach that. It was easy for me, man. My brother was there with me. So, oh, okay. very, you know, you come work with me and, and, uh, and let's, let's do this thing together. And that was great. He was kind of, as he has been in my life, he was kind of that guy I could lean on. So if it's like, Hey, am I doing this right? I could just ask him and I would completely trust uh, the response from him. And I actually brought over one of my college teammates, a guy named Eric Vernissel, um, who's from Chicago, mm -hmm. who was trying to figure out what he wanted to do post-college. So he was great as well. I wish I was 
maybe as mature as Chad at the time that I could put a lot of thought <laughs> into bringing in the great Pete Donoff and Bo Potts and some of the guys. He yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, it, it wasn't like that for me. It was kind of, it was all so last minute, you know, I got the job, like I said, two weeks into the season. And so it was just getting the guys I could to, to come and, and get on the journey with me. Um, but yeah. now building a coaching staff is probably, you know, a brand new program up here at Idaho without jumping ahead too far, building a coaching yeah. staff is one of the, if not the most important things you can do. I mean, I, I imagine, um, and we, you know, I, I saw it cause I'm, I'm friends with Steve lab and we've talked about lab a lot. Right. And, um, you know, just now I went and saw USD play Stanford last weekend. And, you know, you look at the bench, it's Tyus Edney, John Moore, who's an amazing coach. I remember from Lavin camps, Pat Sandel, Marin legend, one of my favorite people, uh, Billy McKnight, you know, and Steve's got people who not only he trusts, but who have different skill sets like Patrick Sandel, best defensive coach I've ever seen. Um, you know, Ty is amazing offensively, John Moore, you know, just, so it's, he's been really thoughtful about putting together that staff and that's just, that's gotta be hard to figure that out. Yeah. We got to tell some Lavin stories at some point in time, because he's, even though I don't have a direct strong relationship with him, he's impacted my life a ton. Um, I was always afraid to go up to those Lavin camps because of the rookie dance they had you do. I was like, I can't do that rookie dance. Well, I was, I was, I'm just (laughs) such a good dancer at Prib. So that's why I was fine with (laughs) it. But yes. Uh, yeah, but, but look, building a coaching staff um, and it's it, you have more resources at the college level to be maybe a little more specific with it. But it's a lot like building a team. You know, you don't want five or four of the same of the same people. You need to, to bring in people that are going to complement each other, that yeah. are going to cover each other's blind spots. Trust is obviously a huge part of it. Um, and so, yeah, you need to bring in people that that you can kind of go on this journey with and that can make each other better. We do it, you know, kind of the, the leadership style here is very collective, meaning we sit down every morning at a round table and, and talk about the practice plan and kind of build it out together. So you, you can't have a bunch of yes men around you. You need people that are going to speak their mind and be opinionated and, um, and that you're going to trust and that, you know, you know, it's not going to be personal. It's not going to be about ego. It's just going to be about the team. And so I've been really, really lucky to, to build a strong coaching staff here at Idaho. And even before that, you know, part of building the, the program we did at St. Martin's university was having great coaches around me there. Um, so one of the guys from St. Martin's is actually with me at Idaho right now, Adam Ellis. Oh, cool. But the other two assistant coaches were Dave Granucci and Mike Hayward, um, you know, and so yeah. Dave Granucci, it, it was the exact same thought process, right? A guy who I completely trusted from a basketball standpoint um, and that I knew wasn't going to bite his tongue. He'd speak his mind and a guy that I completely trusted. And so Dave was the head coach at College of Marin, um, had an yeah. unbelievable coaching pedigree of his own. So I was very lucky to get him up there to to help help me build the St. Martin's program. And then Mike Hayward happened to be up here at the time. He was living out this way. Um, so when I was able to bring him on board too, it's just, I felt so fortunate to have guys around me that um, were in it for the right reasons. And we're, we're part of this Marin coaching tree that's so strong um, and guys that I just completely trusted. Love it. That's great. Yeah. So talk about your transition from, you go from TAM to San Francisco State. I assume uh, our friend Paul Trevor had something to do with that move. Um, <laughs> it, it's all it's all Marin, man. Sorry, Dave, I didn't mean to catch you. I was gonna, it's, it's just no, it's so go. funny how it makes me think about these, these Marin, you know, connections, but basically I, I was, yeah, I was the head coach at TAM and I was loving it. And I could have st- spent, spent my whole life there as a teacher and a coach and a great community and, and absolutely loved it. Um, but I was spending more of my time practice planning than I was on my lesson plans. And so I was like, you know, I probably want to try yeah. to go this basketball route if I can. And I was talking to somebody about it 
it's a, a guy named Craig Snyder, who um, was a great basketball player and a phenomenal Love coach, Craig. one of our assistants at Drake. And, and I think it was Craig's birthday party. And we were out at Benny Hanna's in San Francisco. Um, and yes. we're just kind of walking down the street after, after a birthday party dinner. And Trev wasn't there, but Craig or, or maybe one of the Cronucci's said, hey, I heard Trev's looking for an assistant. His assistant just left. And so that's where it kind of piqued my interest. The next morning, maybe even that night, I called Trev and said, hey, are you interested in hiring a new guy? And, and you know, that, that was the summertime. And believe it or not, that led to my first first uh, job in the coaching, you know, the college coaching world. So went from a really comfortable, um, great position at TAM into kind of taking that first jump into the unknown waters of college coaching. And luckily it was for a guy like Paul Trevor, who I could talk about for hours, but uh, Trev's just, he, he's the best, man. I got really lucky to, to work for him for two years. Just saw Trev. I hadn't seen him in a long time. We went, Granucci, Poser, and I went and saw Stanislaus play Dominican a couple weeks ago. Nice. Yeah. Um, and at halftime, Trev's walking back from the locker room and he looks up and he sees, you know, he sees Granucci and Poser all the time, but he saw me and he gave me this amazed look. Um, he is just an unbelievable human. I mean, I haven't seen the guy in 20 years and he remembers me and um, he's just his energy, passion, charisma. Yeah. I, I, there's a phrase I like to use with great coaches as a force of personality. And he, he has this force of personality. I mean, Priv, you have that too. Um, and you could just see that these kids just will run through a brick wall for him. Um, yeah, the, the thing with Trev, you know, the, the phrase I always use with Trev is just he's he's genuine, right? So um, yeah. that personality, that that force of personality, that's a great phrase. I'm gonna steal that from you. Um, that's <laughs> that that is Trev, and it's always been Trev, right? So again, the beauty of this Marin deal is when I was at pirate camp and I was a fourth grader, and Trev was my pirate camp coach. He's sweating and yelling and and yeah. you know bringing the energy the same for a for a fourth grade you know pirate camp championship the same way he is at Stanislaus State or the same way he was at San Francisco State. So Trev is so genuine in his energy. He's so authentic in, in the way he coaches. And for those people that want to be coaching, I learned that lesson really early. You know, I, I can't try to be someone that I'm not. You know, I have to go about this in the way that's genuine to me. I can't try to be Paul Trevor. I can't try to be Doug Donnellan. I can learn and soak up as much as I can from those people. But the only way you're successful coaching is to, to be authentic and genuine to who you are. And that's, that's who Trev is, man. So, um, yeah, he's, he's just the best. Totally. So, um, how was that transition for you from high school coaching to college? I mean, you made the transition as a player from high school to college. Yeah. What was harder? Was it, was it, I guess that's a two part question. Um, was it harder to transition coaching high school to college or as a player? Well, that's a good question. I think, um, I think coaching, you know, from, from the playing standpoint, it was kind of just a day by day process. Right. And I think Doug did a great job preparing me for it. Um, so it wasn't, it it was just trying to learn every day. Coaching was very different, right? All of a sudden you have to start recruiting and you have to start scheduling. You have, you know, the film review process is completely different at the college level. The scout process is is very different. Um, so that was a big jump and I had a lot to learn. Fortunately, I had Trev to kind of walk me through it those first two years and really help me out. Um, but yeah, I think that that college coaching jump was a big one. And, you know, during that time of my life, to be completely honest, I think I was, you know, 25 years old, maybe 24, 25 years old at the time. Um, and it was those were transformative years. You know, I was I was figuring out who I was post player. You know, I was figuring out who yeah. I was post post college. Um, and so it was an important time for me to just kind of mature and develop and learn, learn life lessons. And so leaving that comfort zone of, of Tamil Pius and going to San Francisco state was great. And then I think probably the, the bigger jump for me was actually 
leaving San Francisco State, leaving this community, right, and and going out to Eastern Washington and and moving to the Pacific Northwest, which you know now I've been here for nine years. And if you would have yeah. told me at the time I wouldn't be coming back, I, I you know I don't know if I would have done it. So it was a, a big step right there. Yeah. Okay. Prib Duffy uh, would want every wants everybody to know that Angela, his wife, just delivered him uh, a cup of hot coffee. Thank you. Um, and uh, for some reason, technical difficulties are precluding Duffy from from talking. I am not muting Duffy as Duffy is saying that I am. Uh, Duffy, we love you and we miss you terribly. You, and Duffy. enjoy that coffee. Prib likes some hot coffee too. Absolutely. Um, Hold out here. Okay. So, Prib, you've coached. So you go D two and then um, Eastern Washington. How, yeah. So making that that move from SF State to Eastern Washington, as you talked about your Pacific Northwest life begins, right? Um, What was that transition like? It it was a complete restart and probably a much needed one just for me to, you know, kind of continue to grow, had to get outside my comfort zone and, and just live a whole new life. Basically, you know, I was very set up, very comfortable in San Francisco, in Marin, feel like walking down the street, new people left and right. And now all of a sudden I move into the, into Spokane where the snow's up to my knees and I'm working for a guy that I didn't really know at the time um, in, in a level of basketball that I was unfamiliar with. So it was just a brand new start um, and it was scary and it was it was um, unbelievably important for, for me in terms of my growth. So got to start fresh in a lot of ways um, and just grow and develop. I worked for a guy named Jim Hayford who is a great mm-hmm. basketball coach, kind of the polar opposite of Jim from the standpoint, excuse me, of uh, Trev from the standpoint of Trev was the ultimate motivator and just guys run through a wall form and wore his emotions on his sleeve in a great way. And Jim was the ultimate CEO, right? He ran it like a business and was extremely smart, um, learned so much, both basketball and just in terms of how to run a program from, from Jim. So I had these two different kind of polar opposites, not in bad ways, but just did they were, they were at different makeup in terms of the way they ran programs. Um, so it, it was a lot of getting used to a new personality and getting used to a new system and just learning. Um, and so it was a hard couple of years, but my second year, we, we won the big sky conference. We had a kid named Tyler Harvey, who was the leading scorer in the nation. He ended up getting drafted by the Orlando magic. Yeah. Um, and, and that, you know, those two years and, and winning a championship at the division one level kind of spurred the rest of my career. So it was very fortunate for that time. What was the interview process like? At, at Eastern Washington. With Jim? Yeah. So it, un, untraditional, you know, it's not, people can, when you're doing it like that, p- people can, uh, they can run the interviews however they want. You know, I've heard of coaches that make potential assistant coaches do scouting reports and sit them down for, you know, I, I interviewed for one job where he had me do a personality test. Like you can do yeah. it however you want. With Jim, it was very different. We were sitting in San, in a city college of San Francisco's little loft during doing uh, recruiting and Jim was really connected to San Francisco and to those guys. And we we're sitting there recruiting and Jim had just lost an assistant. Actually, it was Craig Elo, the great Craig Elo. Oh, yeah, from the Cavs. Yeah. He had just left Eastern Washington. Um, and, you know, we had a bunch of mutual connections and we were sitting there at City College of San Francisco. And long story short, we had a great conversation. He actually said to me, he, I think he, this was his test. He said, all right, if you're interested in, in working for me at Eastern Washington, I want you to make a list of 10 people that I know, but you don't, but that, that, that there's a connection to that. I know you have to go do the research and find 10 people that I know that would recommend you to me. That was his interview process. He was such a unique guy. And so I, uh, I did it. I sat down, he had a bunch of connections in San Francisco and they were all, I had to figure out his backstory and the people that he knew. And there was a list of, list of guys, um, 
you know, that, that I kind of came up with and that were mutual connections. And believe it or not, two weeks later, I was driving up to Spokane, Washington. So, um, yeah, kind of a crazy story. That's very cool, man. So then you go to, from Eastern Washington, you go to St. Martin's, right? And that's, that's a big jump because now you're a head coach at the college yeah. level. Huge. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so, so talk about that move. Yeah, I was 29 years old. You know, I was 29 years old. I had just met two weeks prior to that. I had just met my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, Camille. Um, and it was like, you know, good news and bad news. Good news is <laughs> yeah. I got the job that I really wanted. Bad news is that I'm that I'm moving away. And luckily she was a trooper and and uh and came out there with me. But yeah, we picked up and, and left Spokane, uh, which was great to us for two years and, and ended up moving to Lacey, Washington, um, Olympia, Washington, kind of the capital out, out there. And yeah. Uh, very, very small school, actually the smallest division two school in the country and a school that had really struggled. They had won six games the year before I got there. Um, and just kind of a program in a tough spot, a beautiful facility, a nice college campus, but a very small school and, and a program that has struggled. And so it was a, a total rebuild, which was just a fun challenge, a fun opportunity. And, um, you know, moved down there, started from scratch, built it up. And, and, um, fortunately we kind of got better year after year and my third and fourth years, uh, won 25 plus games and, and played in the NCAA tournament both years, um, finishing the sweet 16. So it was a great time of life, just kind of building my own program and figuring out how I wanted to do things there. And fortunately, you know, had that Marin connection, you know, no way we would have had the success we did if it wasn't for the coaches, Dave Granucci and Mike Hayward. Um, and no way we would have had that success if it wasn't for Brandon Kennelvort, who was one of my first recruits there, who was a yeah. rock solid, um, kind of skilled big man, played at Drake, um, then played at College of Marin for Dave Bernucci. And then the, the great Luke Chavez, who, um, you know, was, was an All-American for us. Um, you know, we talk about Buck a lot, deservedly so. Buck's an incredible yes. player. But if I have to take one, and people talk about Buck and Eddie Joe all the time, if I have to take one Chavez to, to put on my team right now, I'm taking Lukey. He is the toughest the com most competitive young man I've ever been around. Um, he's just, he's skilled, but the skill isn't what makes him successful. He's just a, a competitive kid who, who wills himself to wins. Um, and is just a, a really unbelievable young man. So I had the, the pleasure of coaching him for two years and he led us to, to a championship. Love watching Lukey play. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unbelievable. So then you go uh, up the road to Seattle yeah, uh, yeah, from St. Martin's, so from Lacey up to to the big city. Um, what, what what was that experience like for you? Yeah, so co college coaching is unique, you know, and you you can set up shop and really invest in a community, um, and it's tough to know when the right time is to make the next step. And so after four years at St. Martin's, I, I had this group of kids um, that had come through the whole program with me. Start a few that started as freshmen that were there for four years. And then guys like Lukey, who were finishing up after two years of junior college. Um, and so we had eight seniors my final year. And so it felt kind of like a culminating year where we, we went to the Sweet 16, we won a championship, um, and we had eight guys graduating. So I kind of, you know, looked at what was out there. And I was actually pretty close to, to coming back to San Francisco and working for Todd Golden. Um, that was a big interview at, at USF. At USF, so sure. Todd. Yeah, and um, sat down. He and I had played together and um, – so I was about to, to coach for him there, met with the athletic director, was was pretty close, came down to me and one other guy, and he ended up going with a former player, um, a former teammate of his with some international recruiting connections, which happens in this business all the time. He had a good connection out there. And so my, my I was already kind of one foot out the door. And so at that time, um, Jim Hayford, my previous boss, had another position open up 
And so I was one foot out the door at St. Martin's um, thinking about working at USF. And, and so I decided to take that associate head coaching position at Seattle. Um, mm-hmm. Just another step kind of back into the Division One world, another step up on the coaching uh, ladder. It just seemed like a good opportunity to move back to a big city and, and kind, of, kind of keep moving forward with my life. So great four-year stretch at Seattle U as well. Very cool. And then finally, where we are now, Division One head coach at Idaho. What, talk about that interview process. Yeah, now that was a little more maybe formal, a little more like you'd expect. Um, there was a search firm. You know, I don't know how many people know about yeah. that process. There's search firms now that that kind of organize the, do a lot of the, the organizational work for these interview processes. I heard there's 150 candidates, you know, so there's a lot of paperwork to kind of sort through. And there's just a lot of, a lot of kind of, you know, back, background work that has to be done by these search firms. Um, and so kind of went through that process with them um, and had a couple different interviews, had a phone interview, had a Zoom interview, and then ended up doing a sit down in person interview as well. Um, you know, it's, at that level, it's not, they're not asking you to break down film or design practice plans or demonstrate any of your coaching prowess. You know, they kind of just talk to you about what, what's your vision, you know, what's your vision for this program? How are you going to build the program up? And so I, you know, I'm pretty, pretty organized. I have a full blueprint of kind of the way I want to run a program from everything from fundraising to academics, to community service, to, you know, to X's and O's, to the offensive system and defensive system. I'm pretty organized with that. I think that kind of helped me during the process. Um, and they were just looking for someone who who had experience building a program. So Idaho has struggled the past four or five years. Um, they finished last in the Big Sky for the last five years, and so it's kind of a rebuild and very similar to to the experience I had at St. Martin's. Um, so I have a plan for kind of building this thing back up, and it's it's my dream job, man. I'm I'm a head Division One coach, living in a great part of the world, of a really friendly community, and trying to build a program here with a special co- group of coaches and a special group of players and. I've uh, been at it for about seven months and it's, it's been the best seven months of my life, man. I also have a seven month old son, so it's wow. been a really busy time. A little bit busy uh, for coach Prib. Yeah, but, but, but just, it's been the best. So very, very fortunate. Awesome. Yeah. Excited to be here. Awesome. Okay. Well, I know we, we you got to get to a bus soon, so I'm going to get to some, uh, want to nerd out on coaching for about 10 minutes with you and then I'll That's let good. you go. But, but, um, so talk, talk about, um, your approach to practice planning. So we've talked about how you, you've had these amazing coaches that you've played for and worked with along the way. And that's all kind of formed your, you have your own style, right? So talk about your approach to practice planning and kind of what are your like non-negotiables for your team? Yeah, it's a good question. I think there's a lot of ways to do it. Um, But I do think kind of the, the, not the non-negotiables for for our team, but the non-negotiables for practice planning is to be very organized. Um, You know, and I try to soak things up and learn from everybody. Your podcast with Tyler Gaffney was great. Um, A lot of your coaches have been so great, but but Gaffney, a good young coach I've been familiar with, was talking about his organization. And there, you know, the coaches that I coached against when I was at TAM, Bobby Donlin and Steve Campagno and Doug, like I'm sure their practice plans are very similar to mine. Like, you know, organized, detailed, intention with every drill you're doing, not a lot of wasted, wasted time. Um, and so the way we do it here, um, I like to do a lot of what, which is kind of what we call whole part whole, you know, we try to introduce things as a whole, try to introduce things, you know, not necessarily five on five, but the full picture of what something might be and then break it down into parts and really train it and make sure that the details are there and then get back to the whole again. Um, so our practice plans do tend to have a similar format, meaning we, we like to get a lot of skill work early. Um, mm-hmm. We try to keep our practices fairly concise. Also, I think you were talking to somebody recently about, you know, the hour and a half practices. And um, that's actually pretty similar to us. We practice on the court 
you know, they, they have 15 minutes to kind of warm up and get themselves going. They need to be on the court 15 minutes before practice starts. And then we go hard for about an hour and a half. Um, it can change day to day, but about an hour and a half. And then we do skill work at night. So the guys come back in and they do an additional okay. 30 to 45 minutes of skill work at night. Um, I believe that individual skill development is a huge part of a coach's job, um, individual development in general, mental development and, and physical skill development. Um, so that, that's kind of, you know, not a great answer to your question, but that's a general way of, of how we organize practices. No, that's, that's great. So how about um, mix of scrimmage versus drills? I mean, I, I mentioned this in another pod, but I went and saw Tim Lacoste at Dominican, uh, women's coach at Dominican, great guy, awesome coach. Um, but it was just, it was interesting because I've heard this trend where um, and basically they would do a warm up, get stretched, get loose, and then they got right into five on five. Yeah, and then he would. It was yeah. kind of a controlled scrimmage, right? But it was it was right into. I mean, they were going, and yeah. I've heard this a couple a couple coaches mention this. What, what's your philosophy on that? Yeah, um, I, I definitely see the value in it. You know, you hear a lot of people talk about it. There's the the Chris Oliver basketball immersion guy who preaches yeah. this stuff all the time. And there's a lot of people yeah. that I think are, are on that train. And I agree with it. Um, I think you need to play a lot of five on five. I think you need to get up and down. But I don't think it, you can have kind of broad strokes. I think it depends on the time of year. It depends on the context and what you need to be working on in that moment. So, you know, right now, the, the day before, you know, we're getting on a bus to go play Utah Tech, we're not going to scrimmage for an hour. You know, it's going to be much more detailed. It's going right. to be scout for it. So, a lot of the preseason practices are going to be a whole lot of five on five or small sided games. You know, I think that's for us, that's actually really valuable. A lot of just the three on three breakdowns and, and the small sided games to, uh, to create some advantages or disadvantages. And, and, you know, in coaching, what, what you get is what you emphasize, you know? So if your team needs to get better on the glass, you need to compete and do rebounding drills through competition. If, if what your team needs to get better at is transition defense, then you need to, scrimmage and play some sort of live drill that emphasizes transition defense. And if you, if you emphasize those things and you focus on those things, that's what your team is going to get better at. Um, so a lot of different ways to, to skin a cat with this stuff, but um, you know, I think yeah. you need to identify what you want your team to be good at and you need to emphasize those things. How do you approach um, in, in terms of scouting? Like mm-hmm. what is the best way to impart to your players what you want them to gather from a scout from, from a, scout right because it's there's we can sometimes inundate players with too much information and it gets lost right so how do you how do you distill it down to what's kind of the most important thing for your players yeah it's a big challenge you know i remember we talked about doug and his doug danell and his uh his coaching kind of setting up for college like he used to give us these in in uh depth detailed scouting reports that were great you know and we had to study them and learn them and um you know diagrams and the whole deal we, uh, we ne- we've kind of backed off from that a little bit. We actually at the college level spend a ton of time on personnel. It's a big, big emphasis for us. So we can go mm-hmm. in, de- in depth with um, players, te- player tendencies, player strengths, player usage rates. So which specific players are, are getting up the most shots and are having the biggest impact on their team. And we can take away those strengths. And we feel like if, if we can do that, if a player likes to go right, you know, 75% of the time, we can really take, you know, force him left and take away some of his strengths. If a player right. likes to you know, get to a step back when he's going left or get all the way to the rim when he's going right. We can talk about taking away player strengths, making shooters, uh, drivers, making drivers, shooters, you know, just, just putting, putting players in uncomfortable situations. So scouting reports focused on personnel is a big part of it. And then, you know, the reality is it's, it's all film, you know, we're doing a ton of film work. So yeah. a five, five page hard copy scout is kind of lost on these guys. Now um, we'll give them a, you know, one page of personnel details, but everything's done through the phone. We have apps on their phone that they can pull up the film and watch everybody from personnel uh, tendencies 
through their actions, you know, whatever actions we want to want to show our players. Um, and then we get on the court, you know, we show it to them on film, we get on the court and we talk about exactly how we want to guard specific actions or how we want to attack certain defenses. And that's, that's kind of our process for, for scouts. So we always want to provide our guys with a competitive advantage out there. Uh, I have a great coaching staff around me that, that takes a lot of pride in the prep work, um, in, yeah. in the scouting reports. And, and that's a big part of what we're doing here. Beautiful. Trip, want to do a time check. How much, how much time you got? Uh, we got, you know, 15 minutes or so. How's that work for you? Sweet. 15 minutes. Awesome. Uh, okay. I want to talk about recruiting. So we talked about your recruiting journey as a player. You've mentioned, you know, just recruit um, all Marin kids. That's just recruit all Marin. Kids. That's go. the strategy. There we go. We, we, and kids, Pribble likes candy. So, so just give him some C's candy and he, you're in. Um, so Tom Poser actually asked a good question, sent it into us. Um, yeah. he said there are a lot of recruiting services out there for players. Yeah. Um, what do you think of those? Like, is it, is that, are they useful? Would you recommend that? Um, yeah. I guess br- broader question. Yeah. How, what would be your advice to a high schooler who wants to get recruited? How, how should they go about it? Yeah, I, I don't, um, not to speak poorly about, you know, recruiting yeah. services. Cause I know that's, you know, people put a lot of time into those. I, I don't like them personally. Um, I believe that recruiting is relationships and recruiting is connections. Um, kind of like I talked about with my playing journey, having Doug and Barry Kleiman reach out to Ben Braun and Lewis Raynaud. That's actually the way I recruit here as well, that there's specific people that I really trust. And if those people would call me and say, hey, so-and-so would be a good fit for you, I would take that um, much further than a general recruiting service email. So I think yeah. it can be a little bit tough. It, it depends player by player. But anyone that takes the time to read, even just a personalized email talking about you know, what maybe the connection is to, to Idaho or what the connection is to our coaching staff or why they think it would be a good fit, the personalized touch, you know, we'll respond to all those. We respond to every single email that's personalized. But if we just get a, a general email, email from recruiting yeah. service, we, you know, that maybe they have emailed 75 coaches on, we're not, um, we don't take those as serious. Gotcha. So what, what do you look for in players? I mean, that's a yeah. dumb, broad question, but I'm just curious. Oh, what, what are your kind of hot buttons? Question, man. It's a great question. So I, we think about it, I think about it like a pedestal. Um, you know, three legs on a little pedestal, right? So there's three sides to it. The first are kind of, it's kind of a non-negotiable. The first is academics, right? So a lot of, a lot of coaches, I think college coaches kind of shoot themselves in the foot because they'll spend three years recruiting a kid and the kid's not going to qualify. So the first thing we look for is, are they academically eligible? Are they the right types of students to represent our university? So that's got to be there in order for us to recruit them. The second side is skill set, And actually that's a little bit easier to recruit than you'd think. Um, I, you know, you can go to these, these, tournaments and evaluate and you can if you're looking for certain types of players you can go and find players that can pass dribble shoot and and, and are certain kind of have a, a length to them or a size to them that you're looking for there's a skill set that's kind of a, a baseline mm-hmm. skill level that's kind of a non-negotiable and then the third level or the third leg of the stool for me is actually about character and competitiveness um, if a kid is not the right character is not going to represent our program the right way we we just don't recruit um, and that's there can be a lot of things that impact that social media can impact that um, mm. talking to their coaches, talking to people in their network, in their circle. Um, if it's not, if, if they don't have the right um, type of character or love for the game as part of that, also we, we don't recruit them. So we recruit a little bit more specific. Some people will just, you know, recruit very generally. If the kid's good enough, they, they recruit them. That's not how it is for us. It's academics. It's high character, love for the game. 
work ethic, um, and then it's it's that skill set. So that that's kind of the way we think about it. You need to have all three of those things in place for us to to really recruit you hard at this level. Um, and so, again, that it kind of ties back to Marin. Truthfully, like that's why I've recruited so many Marin players because if if Jonas Honek calls me up and says Victor Reykjavik is your kind of guy, I'm taking yeah. that very seriously. You know, if uh, if Rick Winter calls and says he's got a guy, you know, or Brock Winter calls and says he's got a guy that's played in his program for a long time, you should take a look at him. I'm going to listen to him. I trust those guys. You know, um, there's a lot of people in the Marin landscape, obviously Doug, um, but a lot of people in the Marin world that that can call me up and say, hey, I think you should take a serious look at this kid. And I know that they're going to check out from a character standpoint. I know that they're going to check out from a, a love for the game and competitiveness standpoint. Um, and so I think you, you build a program with kids like that and, and you have a chance to get better and, and to improve. Awesome. Great answer. Very thoughtful as, as we would expect. Um, okay. So, so to wrap it up, um, let's, let's give the Vandals a little, a little plug, the Idaho Vandals. Um, so what's your, you guys are five and four. Is that right? Five and four. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah, it, so yeah, it's been good. It's been good. Um, you know, it's, it's a brand new deal, right? So there's a lot of ways to, to try to build a successful program, especially in today's day and age with the transfer portal and some of the things that are going on, you can try to flip yeah. a roster really quick and bring in a lot of grad transfers, um, you know, and maybe have a, a good year, but then you got to restart the next year. And for us, we've kind of taken the approach of trying to build something from scratch that's going to last. And so I actually have one, we only have one senior on the team right now. Um, everybody else is, is a junior or an underclassman and we're getting better and better and better. Um, we're five and four. We're coming off a, a 30, 30 point win over Pacific in the WCC. Um, coming off a, a big win over Cal Poly. I think we were up 30 in that game also. So nice. we're starting to get a little bit of momentum. We're starting to roll a little bit. But you have to go through some lumps early in the year and, and you have to learn some hard lessons. So, you know, we got thumped by my old school at Seattle U and Washington mm. State. We took a big, big loss there. And, um, you know, played a couple of tight games or five and four, but we've, we lost two one possession games also, um, to, to Northridge and to Denver. Um, so I think we're getting better. I think we've got, I know we have a young group of guys who are about the right stuff. The work ethic is incredible. You know, I walk into this beautiful gym every day. I think I get here at, you know, six 30 or 7.00 AM, something like that. And every single morning there's guys, there's players that have beat me into the gym that are already getting Love shots it. up. Um, when That's I awesome. leave at night, there's always guys in the gym getting shots up. So when you have a roster built on guys like that, the Luke Chavez's of the world who just love the game, yeah. um, you're, you're going to get better. So I feel really good about the direction we're moving. I'm sure there'll be some more highs and lows as we try to build this thing up, but I think we're moving this thing in the right direction. All right. I'll be rooting for you against my Stanford Cardinal on the 17th of December. There we go. Um, yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, okay. Duffy, a Duffy question. You ready? Prim? Let's do it. Uh, I, uh, do you know how the Vandals got the nickname? Well, I know the the story, but I want to hear Duffy's answer first. Is there a specific one, or is there? He 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 wrote. Uh, they go by name earned nearly a century ago by a basketball team coached by Heck Edmondson, whose team played defense with such intensity and ferocity that sports writers said they vandalized their opponents. That's right. That's right. It's funny. I know. I I, I should know that that Duffy's familiar with the uh, the sports writers giving the the nicknames. You know, my, my best friends in the world, I think I, I spoke about it earlier this morning, um, but my best friends in the world were my my teammates um, from a very young age, you know, and, and yeah. so these guys I played with at St. Rita's and White Hill and Drake all the way through, 
Um, and believe it or not, they were also the writers for the school for the Jolly Roger at, at Drake. And so nice. they, yeah. like, they would cool. give Loose us paper. all nicknames. Yeah, they would be they would be doing that. So anyway, um, yeah, the, the vandalizers awesome. came from from the, the school. Yeah, from the, the, the school newspaper for sure. Beautiful. Uh, OK, Prib. Crunch, qu- quick, truncated crunch time. That's Coaching true. edition. Love it. Favorite, favorite drill, favorite team drill to coach. Favorite team drill. You know what, 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 uh, there's a thousand of them. I would love to just talk hoops. Um, yeah. You know, what's not done enough in my opinion is straight one-on-one. Um, you know, hmm. so you, you pick a specific closeout that happens in a game, maybe a kid's in a ball screen coverage and he has to, has a long closeout on the opposite wing and you make that skip pass and a kid has to close out and whatever your principles are, force baseline, force middle, have a stick yeah. hand up, whatever it might be. Kids need to learn how to guard the basketball one-on-one and it leads to, um, you know, you can put some, some limitations on dribbles or whatever, but it leads to good offensive advantages also. So um, I think if you want to be good defensively, you have to be able to guard the ball one-on-one initially. And that's not done enough in my opinion. That's a great answer. And that that's interesting because that's kind of a, my next question was your favorite individual drill. That's sort of a, a sort of a team drill and an individual drill, right? It is. It is for sure. It's a two for um, Yeah, it, it, that, that works. You know, it, individually there's a, there's a, I love some of the shooting drills you guys have talked about. We do the same ones, you know, we do the, yeah, we call it Boston shooting. You make two from the corner and then you go to the wing or two in a row from the yeah. corner to the wing to the same stuff you guys have been talking about. Anything that's competitive, anything that kids can keep track of and, and continue to try to beat their scores. We keep our shooting drills, our high scores in the locker room. So the kid, the guys are constantly competing against each other. Um, but anything that's, that's game speed, um, game realistic and, and has a little competitiveness to it, I think are great individual drills. Are, are your, I just, my, my personal question and your shooting drills, are you guys mostly shooting threes? I mean, I guess for your guards, or are you are you drilling mid range ever? We drill a little bit of everything. Um, you know, I think in today's today's game, obviously the analytics are going to tell you to, to yeah. finish at the rim and to shoot those kickout threes. And we're very three point heavy. We are. We we like just the style of, of players that we recruit. We have five shooters on the court a lot of the time, so we do mm-hmm. drill a lot of threes. But in our in our individual breakdown, so every one of our coaches. Um, have a have a group of kids that they work with constantly and in a, those individual breakdowns we do a lot of yeah mid post work mid-range pull-up work just depending on how we're being guarded um we, we try to be efficient from it from every area on the floor so um without nerding out too hard offense to yeah. me is about is about creating advantages that's all it is it's it's spacing and advantages um and and then those advantages leading to great shots and so you know we'll we'll post up our guards we'll put our bigs out on the perimeter we'll invert the offense however we need to to be able to put two two defensive players on the ball and generate a great uh, shot out of that adva- that advantage. Awesome. Yeah, we've just interviewed Kevin Vasquez, who's one of the assistants at Red Redwood's great guy with his son Jake, yeah. who's the best best player on Redwood. Um, and he he said something that was really astute. I thought he's like on offense when you gain an advantage and you once you've lost that advantage, it's really hard to get it back. That's right. Yep. So you got to kind of take advantage of that that advantage yeah. that you have. Um, yeah, okay, last. Dominoes, you know, oh, sorry, dude. I was yeah. going to say we, we, we kind of call yeah. it dominoes or scramble mode, but yeah, that's that's great offense when you create that that when you generate that advantage and the defense is now in rotations. Great defenses are great at, at scrambling and covering up those advantages, but great offense that ball's popping around, the ball has energy. Yeah. Um, but especially at this level, man, you can't pass up a good shot. So if you if you have create an advantage and you make that extra pass and you have a good open three, if you pass up that shot trying to get an even better shot, that defense is going to recover. So. Yeah, that's exactly. that effect where the ball's popping around. That's that's fun basketball for us. Yep. Okay, last two for me. Favorite coaches to watch: college, pro, 
high yeah. school. Don't say Danellen. We know Danellen's great. So, uh, <laughs> well, I, uh, look, I, I honestly mean this. I, I soak up lessons from coaches at every level. I really did. I, yeah. I, I was sitting down taking notes from your Gaffney podcast. Um, I, you know, I was sitting down taking notes from, from some of the, you know, from, from the Yersaya podcast, Ashley's yeah. such a good coach, Mike's such a good coach. Um, so every level, everywhere I've been, I, I'm soaking up a lot of, a lot of lessons, um, whether it's podcasts or zoom interviews, I, I mean, I, I follow everybody on Twitter, trying to soak up new information and there's a lot of different platforms to learn from. Um, for me personally, I really like Buzz Williams, um, Love him. you know, college coach. And he's, he's been good for me because it's more holistic. It's not just X's and O's. It's about positive habits and, and, and routines that will help you be successful as a coach. Um, basketball wise, man, there's so many good coaches. I love what yeah. Nico Medved's doing out at, at Colorado state right now, offensively. Yep. Um, but there's good coaches across the board. One of the best parts about scouting reports is you do scouts on all these teams and you're like, I like that action. I like that. Well, I'm going to take that drill or that, yeah. that play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it, exactly. It constantly so that's all. Um, yeah, for sure. Hey, the best, best coaches are the best thieves, right? Um, okay. Last one. I've heard you say that a lot and I I love that phrase, but really that's, you know, thieves is is part of it, but really that's what, what great people are doing is they're constantly learning, right? Whatever, whatever environment you're in, if you're watching people and you can put your ego to the side and you can just say, Hey, that's good. I should, I should, you know, make that change in my life or I should, I should pick up that drill. I think that's how you keep getting better. Totally. Okay. Last one. Duffy has asked, will you please come meet with the Archie Williams team in the team room? Anytime, man. As long as my uh, as long as my compliance director gives me the thumbs up, man, I, I, would, I would love to do it. But that team right, is so good. special, man. I'd love to walk back in there. Good, Duffy. Prib says yes. Um, okay, Prib, this has been amazing. I mean, we could, like we say a lot, but truly mean it. In this one, we could keep talking for hours. Might have to have you for episodes three and four. Um, good luck. Uh, Duffy shares a big thank you and says to, uh, with respect, go vandalize Utah Tech. There you go. Um, and um, dude, it's just so fun to talk to you, man. I could talk to you for hours about hoops. I love your passion. Thank you for supporting and listening to the podcast. Clearly you've, you've been listening on your elliptical journeys or wherever we're walking the dog. Yeah. Um, uh, we're rooting for you. Uh, we love what you're doing and you're a, you're an inspiration. You're a legend in Marin. So thanks, buddy. Thank you, Dave. Well, hey, hey man, this is completely my honor. Like I said, I've done a number of these Zooms and podcasts now um, just from the coaching standpoint, but this is by far and away my favorite because I, I genuinely mean it. Like Marin Hoops has shaped my life in so many different ways. Um, so if there's ever anything I can do to, to help out Marin players, Marin coaches, Marin people um i would love 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 to find ways to give back to this community so thank you for what you guys are doing i think it's a special platform you're creating here um and and the marine basketball community deserves it so thank you guys both very much hey guys dan dibley here first time caller long time listener of the run tmc podcast and i absolutely love the pod and thank you duff and thank you dave for doing it great to hear from the legends in the past and hear all the stories come out And also nice to be able to keep up with the young people playing today in the MCAL with all the updates and the correspondence reports and all the rest of it. Being somebody not in the county any longer, it's good to get those updates and be able to keep tabs on what's going on. I look forward to another couple of dozen or more of the great interviews. And I admire all the sponsors for chipping in and be a part of it because that really is the backbone to everything. Great job, guys. Keep it up. It's a good community podcast. I'm a diehard listener, and I can't wait to hear more 
from you guys and all the great interviews already. I've loved the Fulton, the Skaggs. You had Michelle Bravelli-Smith, various Granucci's, and so many more great interviews. And I look forward to hearing more from you guys in the coming days. Keep up the good work and keep it rolling. This is Dan Dibley from 95.7 The Game saying, great job, fellas. All right. Well, thank you, Coach, and thank you also for um, the support we got from our listeners and our support staff uh, chiming in during that interview. Good stuff, uh, but not as good as the interview itself, Dave. I think we can we can agree on that. So, quick take. What do you like? Yeah. What so, sucked? Nothing sucked. Well, the only thing that sucked was you not being part of it, Duff, mm-hmm. and my clickety-clackety keyboard. But uh, I, I loved it. I could have talked to Prib for hours, as we always say, but um, truly mean it here. Um, a couple things that, that jumped out at me. Um, first of all, when he talked about recruiting, I thought that was, that was insightful. And he, he referred to it as the pedestal, kind of the three-pronged uh, things that they look at, right? They look at academics. They look at, obviously, basketball skill, kind of table stakes. But then the third one was, I think he said character. Um, but he, he pointed out that social media uh, behavior. So... They're looking at your social media and that just, that jumped out at me as, so for kids who are listening, um, look, we're all on social media and we all probably have posted stuff that we think is funny or stuff for our friends. But when you're a, you know, a high school player looking to play in college, coaches, they're going to be looking at your social media. So if you have stuff on there that, that maybe is a little bit questionable, I would, I would clean that up. Um, it's just a good lesson. Um, I just thought that was, that was interesting that they, they look at that for sure. Um, I also on the recruiting tip, I liked that he talked about it's, it's about relationships for him. And I mean, if it didn't shine through in this interview, you weren't listening. Like Prib is such a genuine, authentic person. So I'm not surprised that that's how he goes about his, his recruiting. And he wants to build a team of people who he trusts and values them as people. Um, so relationships are really important. That's life advice for you, Dave. I mean, that, right? I mean, that's totally. not coaching. That's not just coaching. That's everything. Yeah. So I think the farther along you get in life, the more you realize that, right? If it's easy to get caught up um, when you're younger with numbers, grades, you know, that stuff seems really important. But uh, and it is. Yeah. You know, do your do your do your schoolwork, kids. But yeah, ultimately, a lot of life is about relationships. Well, and then also, you know, he's so humble um, and he's just a sponge, right? He wants to learn. So I love when he talked about, you know, he's, he's taking notes. Like he said, he's, you know, I took notes on the Tyler Gaffney podcast. Like he's learning, constantly learning. Um, and that shines through. And that reminded me of our Rick Winter discussion when we were talking about Eric Spolstra, who, by the way, just signed a $120 million contract with the Miami Heat. He's one of the best NBA coaches in the last three decades. Maybe he wants to be a sponsor. Let's get some act. Coach Spo, <laughs> call us. Um, but, you know, Spolstra's, you know, Rick told the story. They're at a restaurant and some guy said something and Spolstra was listening. It's like, hey, I really like that, right? Or show me a good, hey, we need, we need a play to run a, we need a three-pointer right. for, for, for Ray. You know, give us a play. Yeah. Curiosity um, and uh, observation. Right? Total, totally. And then the last thing, you, you said it in the intro to this episode, but the whole thing I was thinking, I was thinking the whole time with Prib, I really would want my kids to play for him. First of all, I would want to play for him. But like when you think about coaches who I'd want my kids to play for, Alex Pribble is absolutely top of the list. Yeah. Um, 
just what a guy. Uh, could not um, think of someone I root for more uh, than than Coach yep. Prib. So yep. uh, pull in for the Idaho Vandals. Agree with you. I, I can't wait to see where he takes that program, and maybe that's a stepping stone to another um, another program for him down the line. But keep your eyes open for for Coach Alex Pribble. He's yep. going places. Yep. Uh, a small note because I'm looking through. Uh, the notes I took during this interview when I could, at some point, I could only hear you and not Alex, and I could not be heard. That's unfortunate. But I, at m- minute 58, 22 seconds, uh, I got a reprieve. Angela delivered hot coffee to me. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Angela. We, we, yeah, we, we, we mentioned that. Um, we gave you that. Oh, you did? All right. Yeah. Good. All right. Good. Yeah. Gave me okay. some love on that product. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks. I, I got recognized one way or another. So uh, we do want to thank uh, our sponsors. And uh, for those that might be interested in sponsorship, thank you for listening through uh, the pledge drive and reach out to us uh, by any number of means, uh, Instagram, direct message, the run TMC podcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on our website, uh, the run TMC podcast.com. And um or come stop by, stop by and have some iced coffee and we'll, we'll get a deal going. So speaking of that, uh, upcoming, well, we already have a great one for next week with Coach Jonas Honick, uh, which was a really fun discussion. And then we have a few more scheduled that are, that are awesome. So uh, we're excited for the next couple weeks here of, of guests that we're going to share with our listeners. Yeah, um, Doug DeVore and Josh DeVore. Doug Car- and Josh. Carrie Husbands. Adrian um, Payne. Yeah. Uh, formerly Carrie Barrett, yep. and uh, just working on yesterday, uh, Jet Russell and uh, Will Venable, who yep. both played, who played together at uh, San Rafael High, and Major League Baseball star Will Venable. Yep. Um, so yeah, going to be really fun. And then we have a, another list of people that we've been reaching out to and and have have reached out to us. So uh, we'll keep it going. Thanks yep. everybody for listening. Thank you. All right, this has been the Run TMC podcast. That is the Run of Marin County podcast, uh, a podcast about basketball in Marin County. Thank you for listening. Burke's on his feet. He looks up and gives me a grin and says, Hey, dude, you too must be from Marin.